for your, your love. Thank you that you've stepped us into a new season. Uh, we just pray a blessing over this, this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, what's been on my heart this week is revival. And like, Lord, how can revival tie into communion? Um, so he, he's been showing me a few, a few snapshots along the way. So a little bit of a teaching, and then uh, we'll be having a, a time of communion. Uh, brief, brief background of me. I grew up in the traditional Lutheran church, so much Lutheran, it felt very much like a Catholic-type setting. Um, and it was beautiful in many, many ways. Um, but it wasn't until college where I encountered an authentic relationship with Jesus. Um, I wanted to have faith like Peter. I wanted to jump out of the boat and, and see God move. Um, and then shortly after college, um, I was just so hungry, so hungry. And I um, started attending a, a vineyard church, and that's where I got hit with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And a few months later, just like almost a baptism of fire. And um, in that event, I just remember it was like a 16-year-old girl, like my hands were like sweating profusely. So I came to the aisle and the youth were the ministry team. And the 16-year-old girl just tapped my forehead and I was down for the next two hours. Um, but that was my first encounter. And I look back at that first encounter and it was never the same. Um, and then uh, just after that first encounter, I was so hungry, I like jumped on a plane two weeks later and I was at a revival outbreak in Oklahoma City. And even along the plane ride, I remember so clearly my flight stewardess sat behind me for an hour and a half telling me all these crazy stories. She just got off the mission field in Mozambique. Um, but when you say yes and you posture your heart, the Lord will show you a crazy, amazing journey along the way. Um, yeah, so I, I graduated college with a degree in art education. So the past 12 years, I've been an art teacher. Um, last year during COVID, it was hard. But this past year, uh, I've always been a teacher. The Lord keeps pulling me back in the Lutheran schools. So um, no matter how much I try to step away. Um, but this past year, uh, two weeks ago, we had faculty training, staff training. And we were sitting around for lunch and the new campus pastor came up to me at the lunch table I never really met him before his name's Alex he's in his late 20s and he looks at me he's like Tim I heard you're a Pentecostal Lutheran and then he's like he saw my expression he's like no worries man I'm the same as you <laughs> um I haven't really had the time to sit down and, and share my journey with him, and I haven't heard his journey. But there's something different. There's something uh, when your spirit is ignited, when you receive that baptism of fire, that Holy Spirit, there's something that comes upon you, and you look a little bit different. Um, so I wanted to give a little snapshot. Revivals. And for revivals, there's... The Western mindset of the first Great Awakening, the second Great Awakening, we keep kind of talking about the ups and flows of revival. I, and I always, when I hear about it, my heart always wants the flow to keep going up. 
instead of having that down point go one and then hit another wave and just keep going up and keep going up, um, this past year I keep thinking about Sean Foy. He was hitting some crazy, amazing outbursts of revival. And that, that's a man that we need to honor. Um, characteristics. Uh, within the church, sometimes we use the term revival. Sometimes we use the term awakening. Another thing as I was looking at revival is marketing doesn't need to happen. God, God is a crazy marketer. When there's a fire that's burning somewhere, people just come to it. Um, that's what actually brought me to this church eight years ago. Um, I was brand new to Phoenix, and all I wanted was a church that knew how to steward the presence and knew how to like realize when the, when the presence falls, there's something different. And I, I first came on a Tuesday night, and I looked around the room, and um, the Lord was always prompting me to, like, ask a leader. So I kind of looked around, and like, who, who might be a leader on a prayer set, uh, someone sitting in the audience? And my heart nudged to uh, Vicki Carroll, Bronston's mother. I don't know if you were back then. And I went up to her, and I was like, Miss, when, when does the presence, when is it really there? And she instantly knew what I was talking about. And when she, like, her eyes got big, and I'm like, okay. When she, that expression on your faith, face told me I'm at the right place. Um, she's like, you need to come to those afterburns. <laughs> and I, I'm like, all right, I'm going to be there whenever, whenever that is. Because I grew up in the church of routine. And there's holiness and honor that happens in that, but there's also a place of hunger where the presence is there like no other, and those times are revival. Um, as you share testimonies of revival, it, it creates webs of connection. So I have like these four snapshots that I wanted to share about his historical revival, and as I share you, like, oh, that was connected. Um, there was the Cane Ridge Revival in the 1800s, 1801. And these that I'm sharing is about communion because when communion was taken, that's when the power and the fire of God filled the room. Um, it was the Scottish Presbyterians. This one happened in Kentucky. And the way the Presbyterians did it is they prepared their heart for communion, but they prepared in a segment of three to four days. They generally started like on a Friday afternoon and they would finish on a Monday afternoon, Monday morning. And uh, they were asked to just position their hearts, to examine their hearts, to bring it before the Lord. And from this routine, um, on a particular Monday, when they were done examining their hearts and worshiping the Lord and bringing it all to the Lord, they took communion. And after communion, the, the spirit fell, and it caused this massive ripple of revival throughout Kentucky. And that was in the 1801. Um, the Presbyterians, <laughs> 200 years earlier, it was in Northern Ireland. And it's because of this, in the 1600s, what happened in Kentucky. So as you share testimonies, things get carried on. Um, this was in Northern Ireland. It was the Six Mile Water Revival. Um, dozens of people were 
blasted with the Holy Spirit. It was about 1,500 that would attend on their month, weekly, I think it was a once-a-week service. Um, there wasn't a grid for it. Like, people just got so touched by the Holy Spirit. The, the, like, the historical accounts said they had to carry the people out to their cars because they had to close up the building. Um, so those testimonies brought, brought into the one that happened in Kentucky. Uh, there's the prophetic word over our church about the Moravian movement. And the Moravian movement, this happened in the 1720s in Germany. There was a lot of division within the church between the Catholics and the Protestants and all the breakups and the different things. It, it was a lot of hurt in the culture of this part. And they realized they needed like a time of reconciliation, a time to come together. Um, so there was actually a pinpointed date, August 13th, 1727. They met together in a, in a Lutheran church. They heard a sermon about the glory of the Lamb. They confessed their sins. These are all the, the leaders of the town, of all the different denominations. Then they sat together at the communion table. And as they sat together at the Lord's table, the Holy Spirit fell. People describe that, that encounter as a baptism of love. The, the presence that filled that room that day was a baptism of love. The, the place of communion, it's a place of calling the people of God, calling us to see the areas of our lives. I'm not asking you, so that the enemy can interject and make us feel condemnation. I'm not asking you to dig deep in that sense. Instead, for, for communion, we're, we're asking Lord, like, what are those areas of our life that we knowingly feel like we revisit and sin again and again? And we bring this before you today, Lord, because uh, I'm going to go forward this next week, and you're going to give me more uh, power to overcome those things that I don't have to keep routinely having these bad cycles, that I'm going to take and make the shift and make the change because the Lord meets us in that place of humility before him. I always kind of feel... I'm interconnected a little bit with helping with the RTF ministry. And when people uh, receive clearly from the Lord, that's when the shame and the guilt are placed aside. Like to, to hear and understand what the Lord is trying to tell you, um, there's a place of, of being able to recognize an area of shame or guilt and bringing that before the Lord. And then he's going to start just flowing through you in your thoughts, in your words, in your patterns. Back to that Moravian revival, 1727. When I first came to New Promise, we were at Yorkshire. And I remember entering the sanctuary, and there was a big verse on the wall. And it was Leviticus 6.13, that the fire should never go out on the altar. Leviticus 6.13. And it was that same verse that they used for that Moravian revival. The first four days of that revival, people just stayed. They wept, they prayed. 
They said, uh, I was reading the accounts, children stayed up and prayed till 1 a.m. every morning for the following four days because they were so moved. The other one that kind of came up was in London in 1738 as the Federal Watch, late night watch prayer revival. It was with John and Charles Wesley and George Whitefield. Um, there was about 60 men who gathered together. Um, they came together for a meal. And it was on New Year's Eve. And on New Year's Eve, they took communion. And they said that when communion was conducted and brought together, you just felt exceedingly joy came into the room. So much joy that many people fell to the ground. And as they recovered from a little bit in awe and amazement, the presence of his majesty and we broke out together in one voice to glorify his name. These encounters, like as I was reading these testimonies, I was thinking about the storyline that the Lord has written in my own life. And Lord, I, I wanna keep going. I don't ever wanna hit that low spot. I just wanna keep like, Lord, what's the next move? Where are you pouring out? This younger generation or my generation, we, we just, we see everything out there and we want the real thing. We want the real power. We want to see God overflow in those gifts. Um, maybe I still have a place of unforgiveness with the routines I grew up in. I'm thankful for the routines, but I wanna always position my heart in a place of mystery and a place of awe before him um, because it's in that element of mystery where the Lord shows up and uh, you see a miraculous healing, or you see um, just a divine encounter. Mm. A note that I wrote down: what you are, what you are believing that you're going to receive through communion, is the impact of the amount of grace that you are expecting to receive. So as we come together, we do this once a month. And as we examine our own hearts, asking the Lord, Lord, I'm going to give this to you. And the Lord's going to pour out grace, and he's going to pour out love, and he's going to pour out a, a, just a clear voice to you today. Matthew 10, 41, Who, whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever receives a righteous man because a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. You, the Lord is asking you, you're invited to the Lord's table today. It's a means of grace where we can feel strengthened. We can come together. There's a renewal in your spirit. There's a place of surrender, the place of acceptance. If you've never accepted the Lord into your heart um, and you feel this nudge or this tugging, you, you can kind of just at your seat I'm just going to give a 30-minute pause. Uh, maybe you've already accepted the Lord. 
and you have this time of reflection, what are those things that you know that you know that you know that you knowingly just need to stop and place on pause and bring that to the Lord this morning? He meets a humbled heart.
Father God, we, we take this bread. Lord, thank you that it is the new covenant. Thank you that you have uh, taken those nails, that we can be with you one day in heaven. Thank you that um, your majestic grace, uh, your love washes over every area of our life, and you have called us to take the next step forward. So, Lord, I thank you for those who said yes today, but uh, for the first time, but Lord, thank you for meeting us and uh, those of us who've been walking for many years, but we, we want the next thing. We want to go to the next wave. Um, so we bless this morning to you. Um, so we take this bread in Jesus' name. This, this blood, this wine. Lord, thank you for um, the shed blood on the cross. That you make all things new, Lord. We take this in honor of you, and we love you. special blessing, a special outpouring that it's it's not the same, that we encounter something different, that we step in a place of awe and mystery before you, that our hearts are stirred for the greater things. Lord, scripture says go, that we can go and do the same likewise, but even greater works than he. Let us continue to walk forward into that, that glory to glory. Let us not get hung up with the things of today, but let us keep our eyes transfixed on you. Lord, thank you for the spirit of unity. Thank you for that revival anointing. Thank you for the presence that is carried within this church family. Lord, I, I just thank you for the mighty warriors that are gathered together. In Jesus' mighty name.